it's been encouraging. I hope you've learned more about what's going on in this book. Maybe it's a book you haven't really read much. Maybe you just kind of knew the high points. Um, maybe you've read through the Bible a number of times and just uh, hopefully this gave you some clarity. We're going to read uh, a, a chapter now that it is kind of one of those, I don't know, I kind of it's kind of one of those yada, yada, yada chapters. <laughs> uh, if that's that's a reference, uh, you maybe get it. It's like, yeah, then you you build this. You, this this is the linen. This is the stuff. Yada yada yada. And then you kind of, I don't know. Maybe if you're reading this one, you kind of skip because it's the engineers, the architects in the room. This is probably their favorite a favorite chapter. I don't know because it's just precise instructions, construction. You know the 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 width, the height, the material. There's no questions. Everything's answered. Um, if you are a free spirit, you might not like this because there's no room. There's no wiggle room at all. There's no creative creativity on your own. It's just this is how the tabernacle is to be built. But um, I, you know, as I was reading it and looking at it, um, I was thinking about points to make about goat hair and um, uh, the hair of a of a, a sea cow. Like I didn't a skin. You know, like okay. That's goat skins on top, or some some translate it as, as uh, you know, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, manatee skin. And I was like, is there a point there? I don't know. Um, it, it's interesting, but it's it, there. There are definite. We know this truth that all of God's word is beneficial. All of it it points to His glory, and it all points to Jesus and, um, and, and our need of Him and our need to be restored uh, through the work of God. And so, I, I'm, it's there. It's there. Trust me, it's there. And so, I'm going to read this and then we're going to, we're going to go through it. And um, uh, again, maybe this is one of those flyover passages or, you know, that you just kind of hit the high points. But we're going to read every word and I'm not going to talk about every word but you know in detail but we're going to we're going to talk about what this means and the significance of this this dwelling place this tent that God uh, wanted built so that he may in a sense can travel with his people as they move toward the promised land so let me pray and then we'll read together gracious God um, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this precise exact instruction for your dwelling place with your people in the wilderness and um, Lord help help us to to imagine it accurately to gives us clarity as we understand what was done and how it was built and Lord help us to see what it is you're communicating in its structure and in its formation and how it's how it looks and Lord um we know there's purpose in it, and we know there's application. So help, help me, Lord, uh, to, to rightly explain it and help us to come away encouraged by your glory and your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, verse, uh, chapter 26, verse 1. Moreover, this is after he gives instructions for making the furniture, and we talked about that last week. He says, Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle. With ten curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns, you shall make them with cherubim, skillfully worked into them. 
The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits, and the breadth of each curtain 4 cubits. All the curtains shall be the same size. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another, and the other five curtains shall be coupled to one another. And you shall make loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtain in the first set. Likewise, you shall make loops on the edge of the outermost curtain in the second set. Fifty loops you shall make on the one curtain, and fifty loops you shall make on the edge of that curtain. That is the second set. The loops shall be opposite one another, and you shall make fifty clasps of gold and couple the curtains one to another with the clasp, so that the tabernacle may be a single whole. You shall also make curtains of goats here for a tent over the tabernacle. Even curtains, eleven curtains you shall make. The length of each curtain shall be thirty cubits, and the breadth of each curtain four cubits. The eleven curtains shall be the same size. You shall couple five curtains by themselves, and six curtains by themselves, and the sixth curtain you shall double over at the front of the tent. You shall make fifty loops on the edge of the curtain that is the outermost in one one set, and fifty loops on on the edge of the curtain that is outermost on the second set. You should make 50 clasps of bronze and put the clasp into the loops and couple the tent together that it may be a single whole. And the part that remains of the curtains of the tent, the half curtain that remains, shall hang over the back of the tabernacle. And the extra curtain that remains in the length of the curtains, the cubit on one side and the cubit on the other side, shall hang over the sides of the tabernacle on this side and on that side to cover it. And you shall make for the tent a covering of tanned ram skin and a covering of goat skin or sea, sea cow skin, just depending on what translation you have, on top. You shall make upright frames for the tabernacle of acacia wood. Uh, ten cubits shall be the length of a frame and a cubit and a half the breadth of each frame. There shall be two tenons in each frame for fitting together so that you do for all the frames of the tabernacle. You shall make the frames for the tabernacle, 20 frames for the south side, and 40 bases of silver you shall make under the 20 frames. Two bases under one frame for its two tenons. And two bases under the next frame for its two tenons. And for the second side of the tabernacle on the north side, 20 frames and 40 bases of silver. Two bases under one frame and two bases under the next frame. And for... The rear of the tabernacle westward you shall make six frames. And you shall make two frames for the corners of the tabernacle in the rear. They shall be separate beneath but joined at the top at the first ring. Thus shall it be with both of them. They shall form the two corners. And there shall be eight frames with their bases of silver. Sixteen bases. Two bases under one frame and two bases under another frame. You shall make bars of acacia wood, five for the frames of one side of the tabernacle, and five bars of the frames for the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the frames of the side of the tabernacle that's near this rear westward. The middle bar, halfway up the frame, shall run from end to end. You shall overlay the frames with gold and shall make their rings of gold, make their rings of gold for holders for the bars, and you shall overlay the bars with gold. Then you shall erect the tabernacle according to the plan for it that you were shown on the mountain. And you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. It shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it. And you shall hang it on the four pillars of the acacia overlaid 
with gold, with hooks of gold on four bases of silver. You shall hang the veil from the clasp and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the veil. And the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy. You shall put the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. And you shall set the table outside the veil. And the lamp stand on the south side of the tabernacle opposite the table. And you shall put the table on the north side. You shall make a screen for the entrance of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet yarns, fine twined linen, embroidered with needlework. And you shall make for the screen five pillars of acacia and overlay them with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold. And you shall cast five bases of bronze for them. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Um, we have here, uh, like I said, a passage that's, you know, where's, what, are we, what are we doing with it? <laughs> what do we say about it? Uh, well, I want to first, I want to describe it. And I, I have three points here. The first point is that we have uh, precise instructions um, to build with these precious materials. That's the first thing I want us to see. Precise directions and precious materials. The second thing I want us to see is that, is that um, we, have, um, we have this set before us, communicated in this passage, in the construction of the tabernacle, we have um, a problem. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm realizing that I just printed off the wrong, the wrong sermon. I prepared it, and it's... But we'll, we're going to keep going. Anyway, um, that's my fault. Anyway, um, so, but the, the second point is we see here uh, the, the problem presented in the problem we have with sin and with, and with our separation from God. That's the second point. And the final thing I want you to see is that we do see a, a glimpse of, of glory and the, the promise, uh, uh, a presentation of the, of the future promise. And so those are our three points. And so first I want to just kind of let's think about what this looked like. What did it look like to, to be in this tent, to be, um, to be there uh, uh, and, and see this presented. What is it? What do these instructions really mean? Well, first of all, he wants to start with these curtains, and we think of curtains. We think of things that cover a window. And but if you if you look at this, you like these are really really long curtains. Okay, and 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 so the, you know these dimensions are are very long. It, it's it's you know the it, it equates to about um, I believe about twenty eight. I mean forty eight feet is the length. And about five feet wide, so five feet by by forty eight. And these curtains are going to be laid out and skillfully made, skillfully embroidered. They have they're made with uh, with scarlet yarn and 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 purple yarn and blue yarn. And the thing about this, when we think about yarn, we think about oh wow, oh you just go to the store and buy yarn. Uh, it took a lot of work to dye yarn, and and in the desert as nomads, you didn't have that. Um, it was the most expensive material, even in the time of Jesus, was purple uh, fabric. And they had to crush up little, 
little snails, little mollusks, and, and, and get that to get the dye. And so these fabrics, these yarns that they had, that they were making this out of, again, the spoils of leaving Egypt. That it was all given to them. The gold and this and the, and the yarn. Again, precious stuff. Stuff they couldn't create. Stuff they couldn't make. And I want you to take, take this and make these, these things. And, and they're going to be skillfully made. I was just talking to some of our members of the church that were in the quilting club. And, and they're skillful. Yeah, there's, there's one right there. And skillful at sewing and making things. And so they're, they're making these beautiful things. And, and look how many they're making. There's ten of them. There's these ten curtains that are, that are you know, 40-something feet long and, and extend out. And, and they've got to make all those, but they've got to be exact, exact measurements with these precious materials. And then they're going to take five and sew them together. And then five and sew them together. You know, long end, you know, not, not short end to short end, but long end to make them, you know, more of a rectangle. And then these are going to come together in the middle... These two large pieces through these golden clasps. And this is what's going to go over and be the walls and the roof of the tabernacle. And so why do they make them in all these pieces? Why were they sewn together? The best guess of me and the most scholars is, you know, for ease, ease of use, ease of movement, you know. Have you ever tried to fold up a big tarp by yourself? And not get angry? It's hard, right? So, so it, it's made for mobility. And so it's, mo- it's mobility, but it's also this... It's beautiful. Like this is going to be the nicest, the most precious materials they own. And these beautiful... And it's going to be cherubim, you know, in them. We're going to come to that in a minute. But what, what is... What is uh, you know, so, so that's there. That's going to be when, you, when you're seeing, when you're on the inside, that's going to be the roof. The canopy of of this tabernacle, and then, to, in order to protect that, there are these other layers, the layers of of goat skin, and then a layers of of uh, you know just to to cover it. And again, why why that? And um, ram skin and other goat skins on top, and again for protection. And again, these aren't very fancy materials. Uh, these are very common, you know. When I, when I, you know, we, we looked at these at this um, detail on, you know, what what did the Israelites probably make their tents out of? What did other nomadic tribes make their tents out of in that time? It was these materials. So it's interesting as you're looking from the outside at the tabernacle, it's like a tent, a big tent, just like them. I mean, it's just. He's identifying, he's, he looks like a tent, and there's a courtyard there, of course, and there's special things happening, and only the Levites and the priests can, can approach it, but, but it looked from the outside, it didn't look very fancy. It looked just like a normal part of the landscape, a normal part of the camp. But when you entered in, it was gorgeous to behold. Um, and so then you, have the, then you have the frames, and that's what held this up. And when you when you're trying to picture that, I had a hard time picturing that. Uh, you can go online. I thought about having just slideshows and just maybe a green screen doing stuff. You know, I don't know, but I thought I was like, I don't really like visuals in preaching. I don't know. I like to, to use our imaginations. Uh, but these frames, they were either hollow or they were panels, and we don't know. You know, because they're not very wide, right? They're it's about it's about a little over two feet wide each frame or panel. 
Like little two, two feet, four inches, I believe. I don't have my notes, but that's what I remember. And then they're 15 feet tall. And, then they, and they're all kind of stacked together. And they have these tenons. Everybody knows what a tenon is. Right? No, they don't. So <laughs> that's, that's what... They're like little, you know, pieces of wood that extended to fit into bases. And so they were all kind of these, these panels or frames. Maybe they were hollow because you go, don't you want to see the... The, the curtain, right? I don't know. But they're overlaid with gold. They're all stacked together. They go down and, you, know, and you, you have these dimensions. It was about 45 feet long, 15 feet wide. That was the dimension. So from, from, from east to west or west to east, because you know, Hebrews, everything's backwards. Anyway, so west to east, it was you know, 45 feet and north to south as it was laid out. And it was always laid out that way. It was 15 feet. So, not that big, right? Like, this room's bigger than that. Think about it. You think of the tabernacle. Oh, it's not, it was a tent, right? It had to be moved. And so you have these panels, and they're, again, made of common wood that they have, but overlaid with gold, shimmering, beautiful to behold, these beautiful tapestries. And, and, and then, how do you hold all these panels together? You know, all the engineers going, if you have all these panels and these bases, okay, but... Then they had rods that ran through them on the backside to hold them together. And one rod was the length of the whole pl- of the whole of forty-five feet long, and that's how they were held together. So you have the frame, beautiful golden uh, panels on these beautiful silver bases, and and the whole thing is is held together by these rods on the outside that tied in. It even describes the back, the, the west, the back side of the Holy of Holies, that it's got these special corner panels that are doubled up with rings to hold the corners together. You see you read that there. It's just everything's laid out. There's no questions. There's no there's no need to well, are we doing it right? Is this is this right? It was everything they need, everything they need to know. And and there's just such beauty there. Uh, and and then finally there are these there are the, the, the entrance ways. And they're described by two different words. I don't know if you caught that. The the entrance into the Holy of Holies is the veil, and we just sang about that. And then the entrance into the holy place is a screen. And it's translated like that in the ESV because it's two different words. That, that there, you know, one is more of a, just a kind of an, an opening, a, a breeze, kind of a, you know, it, it's not as heavy, it's not as, uh, it's not as fixed. Um, one is easier access than the other. And they also notice that how they're, they're made differently, aren't they? The veil and, and, and the screen. Look at that in 31. The veil is made of purple, scarlet yarns, everything just like the, the curtains, just like the canopy of, of the tabernacle. There's cherubim on it, and it's set on these gold pillars with, with, with silver bases, just like the walls, and golden clasps. But it's skillfully worked by hand. And then you look at the screen, it's the same materials... But it's embroidered with needlework. It's described differently. It's almost as though they were kind of using like a, a weaving method. It wasn't as intric- intricately made. It didn't have the cherubim on it. And and again, and then and then the 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 furnishings are, are different. Instead of being on silver bases, they're on bronze bases. And so you notice as you get outside, further out from the interior of this tabernacle, the materials become more common. 
are less precious. The further in you go, gold, pre- gold, precious gold, silver, uh, embroidered, embroidered, skillfully embroidered needlework. And then as you come out, there's, there's bronze and there's goat skins. And there's, so the further out, it's, it's more common. The further in, it's more glorious and precious. What, what, what does this tell us? Well, first of all, this first point of just this precious, precious materials and, and precise instructions tell us that this is based on something. It's a pattern. He says there's a pattern he's given. And that pattern is, is, is God's real, glorious throne in the real heavenly realm. That is the picture is supposed, you're supposed to come to. That's what you're to envision, what the priests are to envision as they come into this. Scarlet and blue and purple, the colors of the sky and the sunset, the heavenly places. But it, unlike most uh, pagan temples that had pictures of stars and the sun and the moon, there were pictures of cherubim. So this isn't just like up in the sky heaven. This isn't just, you know, God's with... He's, it's something beyond. And does anyone know what a cherubim is? You know what a cherub is, right? You think about cherub, you think Valentine's Day, a little fat baby in a diaper with wings, right? That's not what this is. That's not what this is. And I want... What, what do they look like? Do you know? Well, there's a place where you could go find out. Let's, let's turn to Ezekiel. Um... Ezekiel chapter 1. Actually, chapter 10. Let's look at chapter 10 first. Ezekiel 10. He says, verse 1, Then behold, this is a vision he had of of the temple, of of this future temple. We're not going to get into that. I'm not going to preach this text. But just look. He says, Then I looked, and behold, on the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, there appeared above them something like a sapphire in appearance of the throne. And he said to the man clothed in linen, Go in among the whirling wheels underneath the cherubim. That's not the text I wanted to look at. Let me keep going here. Um, Verse 20. And he said, uh, these cherubim, because these were the living creatures, as he's describing the cherubim, he now he uses a different term. These were the living creatures that I saw underneath the God of Israel by the Chabar Canal. He's talking about a, a previous vision. And I knew that they were cherubim. Okay, now let's go to chapter 1 where he talks about that vision. Because again, he calls them in chapter 1 that living creatures... But in chapter 10, he goes, these were cherubim. And so this is what he sees. Uh, Verse 5. And from the midst of it came a likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had a human likeness, but each had four faces. And each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. And the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side. The four had the face of an ox on the left side. And the four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces, and their wings are spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies. 
And each went straight forward wherever the Spirit would go. They went without turning as they went. For the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like the burning coals of a fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. I feel bad for ever had to embroider that. I don't know <laughs> about who sews or does cross stitch. Like I don't know. <laughs> but these are these these creatures are present with God, and and some have theorized that they represent all of creation. These four faces, the extent of all God's creatures, and what do they do? Well, we talked about that a little bit last week as we talked about the mercy seat. They they're focused, they look upon God, and they they are they these glorious creatures that themselves burn like flames of fire, like fireworks in the sky. I'm just thinking about fireworks because I just saw some. Maybe you saw some fireworks Fourth of July, and just go like that's happening, and those creatures are looking up and to God glorifying Him. And so this isn't just God resides in the skies and the heavens like the other pagan gods that they worship. There are these creatures that represent, I believe this is the best guess, it doesn't say, that just they themselves, though they're real, they represent all God's made, the glory of all God's creation, and it all looks to Him and praises Him and worships Him. And that's what you see as you enter in. That this temple and its preciseness and its and the precious of materials is to pick is to help you see and envision God's glory in the heavenly realm, and that you're entering into that heavenly His heavenly glorious presence. And again, you have to pass through these glorious creatures that again are there to revere and glorify God. That's their job. That's what they do. There's no mention of the cherubim doing anything but that. There are other angels that go and bring messages like Michael and Gabriel. And we read, But these cherubim, what do they do? They just worship for all eternity. As long as they've existed, that's their job. And it's just interesting. You have to pass through those glorious ones to even to get near the throne. The glory of God. The realness of, his, of this heavenly realm is conveyed. That's the first point. Second point is this. Also, there's this, this problem. The problem is clearly portrayed in the way this constructed. There's a problem. And again, the, one of the, when you start looking at cherubim, where else do you see? What's the first mention of cherubim? Does anyone know? It's Genesis. It's Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve fell, when, 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 when they sinned, when they chose to say, I don't want to belong to you, I want to belong to me, they were kicked out of the garden. And again, you know, again we, we talked about how that, that lampstand is pictured like a tree, like a tree that's always in bloom, always living, always offering light. We said probably referring to the tree of life in the midst of the garden. And they're out. 
They're put on the outs. Yeah, God, God has mercy. God, God, there's, there's, there's a curse. There's, there's, there's sin entered the world. But then there's, He also clothes them, and He's, He's going to be, He's going to be with His people even in that. But, but what? Who's standing outside the garden on the east side of the garden? It's the cherubim with flaming swords. Going, you cannot, you cannot approach. And when the, when the. When the high priest comes in, or when the priest comes in to do their to replace the bread and keep the lamps lit, what do they see? They see a veil, a thick veil with cherubim guarding away to the Lord. The garden was really the first, what one, uh, what one commentator called the archetypal temple. It was a place on earth and a place in this world where God especially dwelt, where, where man walked with Him in the cool of day and, and night and, and talked with God and communed with God. There was the tree of life and there was everything they needed and that was there in that place and it had an entrance that was on the east side. And they were pushed out. And here, again, He's saying that even the, the, this beautiful... Eden was a, a picture of what God wanted all of the universe to be. And because He was present there, His beauty, His glory was there. And because sin entered, they had to leave and they couldn't get back in. And this tabernacle not only is depicting the glory of the heavenly places, but it's depicting the glory that was lost, the relationship that lost. The problem with sin in the world is that now there's these, these glorious creatures that don't just point to how the glory of God, but they, they guard the way. Just as they guard the way to Eden. It's, it's presented right there. Only, you will come to see, only a few people could enter into that holy place. And only one man, one time a year, could enter into the Holy of Holies, the great, the high, the high priest, the descendants of Aaron. And the only way he entered in was not on his own merit, not, but through blood, through atonement. That there's a veil, and it guards the way. The cherubim are there. And you could not walk in without thinking, look at the glory of God, but look at what was lost. But there's good news. The glory of God and the glory that was lost, but also we see this preview of the promise. I know I've said the points in multiple different ways. Sorry, again, no notes. But... That's the gist. A preview of the promise. When we, when we think about this, this, this beautiful tabernacle, and we think about what comes later with, with the, 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 um, the temple, we come to find out when we look at the temple that the, 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 the dimensions are a little different. It goes from you know, 10 cubits to 20 cubits. It's, it's bigger. It, it doubles in size. Because the temple's grander and it's permanent, you don't have to move it. Um, but we come to find out when we get to 1 Kings 6 and look at the dimensions that, that this Holy of Holies is, is, a, is, is the same in its height, in its width, and its length. It's a cube. It's a square on all sides, even the top. Okay, Kids, you tracking with me? It's a square 
on this side, on that side, perfect square, just as tall as it is long as it is, you know, wide. And so it makes a cube, like a die, like a die or like a, a Rubik's cube, if you like to play with those. It's, that's the shape of it. Um, and it's just this, this building. And even in the temple, it's, it's bigger, but it's still this, this cube. And, 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 and as you think about that, and you think about the instructions, and you think about this access that was denied, the only other time there's a cube mentioned besides the temple is in the last book of the Bible. It's in Revelation. Revelation 21. It said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 1. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city a New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. There's this city, and the same word of the tabernacle being the dwelling place of God. Now the dwelling place is permanent. And it's no longer a, a, a tabernacle or a city I mean, a tabernacle or a temple, it's a city. But look, look at this, verse 15 of 21. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city lies four square, the length the same as its width. And he measured the city with a rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length, its width, and its height are equal. And that comes out to like over four miles. <laughs> it's a big city. But again, let's not get... If you look at Revelation, it's not, it's not being literal in its numbers. That's 12, the number completion, times 10, times 10, times 10. It's, it's perfect completion to the utmost, the superlative. And the idea is there's this perfect city, this perfect dwelling place, and it is a cube just like the Holy of Holies. What do we do with that? Again, here's the picture. God, this, this, this tabernacle is on the scene here in, way back in Exodus picturing God's dwelling place on earth. It points back to His dwelling place with Adam and Eve before the fall where He was there in a special way. And now we see this, 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 this holy of holies, this place where God dwells. Now we see that it's expanded so much that all of God's people, all the multitude that can't be numbered, are, are in it. And this all of creation, in a sense, is brought into the throne room of God to His presence. And he goes on to say that in this, this city there is no temple. Because the city itself is a temple. The people of God are the temple. He says there is no sun because God Himself is present. He is the light. And so as we look back to the, this tabernacle, as we look to its dimensions and its glory, we look back and realize it points to what was lost. It's now pointing ahead to what will be gained. And we, because we believe that the Bible is one book, 
one story. We just sang about that. I, I didn't even pick that hymn out. That was a beautiful uh, song by the Gettys. I, that was, I, I don't think we've done that one before. I don't know. But beautiful. If we have, maybe once. But it's all one story. And so he's pointing to this fact. And we see this come to its fruition in Revelation. That God is bringing... Wants the desires to bring everything into himself. We know that because what happens? We sang about that too. When Jesus died on the cross, what happened to that veil with the with the cherubim? We all know you knew where I was going when I started. If you grew up in the church, that's okay. <laughs> the veil was torn, and his people had access. And the and the end goal is that we're all in there, <laughs> not in a fifteen by fifteen room. But in the city, the city which is His people, where God will dwell forever in our midst. And we will dwell in His midst. Note the problem is dealt with. And so every day as those priests would go in and change out the bread and light the lamp, they'd go into the courtyard and and give the sacrifice. And that every year as that high priest would go in, they're waiting on the day when... All of the glory of God would leave that place, that little place. That we would delight that we get to enter in. Convinced. The high priest had to be like, this is amazing that I get to stand before the throne and represent my people. But the end game is not just the temple to be torn and us go in, but all of that to come out. And I can't help but... Have y'all read the the Chronicles of Narnia? Have y'all read that? In the last battle... If you've, if you've just read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, great. But read the whole thing. And I'm going to kind of give away some of it. At the very end of it, all the key characters end up in this, in this version of heaven. And, they're, and, they, and they enter in the, the, the gates of heaven and they can kind of see a new world. And, and, they, just, and, and they can see in the middle of it this, this place where, this, this high hill where... And, and, this, and this gate to a garden, like the Garden of Eden. And they're like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the king. Let's go. And, the more, and, they, and they take off and they run at super speed, which is really cool. <laughs> and then they enter into that gate. They finally get there. And inside that, it's bigger. What they find on the inside of the gate, it's bigger than what was on the outside. And then one of them cries out. They realize, they get, that the closer we get to the king, the bigger everything gets, the more glorious it gets. And he says, let's just keep going further up and further in. And I mean, and C.S. Lewis had to be thinking about this, this, this image of, of, the, of what was lost in the garden. And what Jesus is, God is restoring and ultimately through Jesus and this this picture of all of us going further up and further in and experiencing more of the glory of God. That's, that's That's our destiny. And you're like, where is that in the text? It's not. Not in this text. But that's what the temple is pointing to. The glory of the heavenly realm. That glory which will come down the glory that we've been separated from, we will be restored with. And we will all who trust in Jesus will be brought in. Go further up, further in, and know more and more of the glory, the love, the beauty of our God. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this, your word. And we pray that you would work these this reality into our bones, Lord. That we, when we think about your the temple, we think about the sacrifices that were given, that we'd realize that they point to a problem.
the problems that we're separated from you and from your glory and from your presence and, made, and separated from what we're made to, to be. Uh, Lord, we, we need to be restored. We need to be restored in the sense of our hearts. We want, we want sin. We long for the sinfulness of our hearts to be taken away, our brokenness to be healed. And we long to be restored to you in, 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 your, in, in the fullness of, of communion. Lord, we thank you that this, this tabernacle and the temple gives your people hope. It gave them hope in this old covenant time. And now, in the light of your Lord Jesus, we see that has been fulfilled and the curtain has been torn and, and we all can, may enter in. And that your glory will bring us in and engulf everything. And there will be a new heavens and new earth when you come again. Lord, we, we, we delight in, in the fulfillment of these things, Lord Jesus, in your coming. And we delight in your coming again to make all things new. And to bring us all into your midst, into your glory. That we will dwell in the midst of the cherubim and the seraphim and the angels. And behold your glory and behold your love and see you face to face. Um, we give you thanks for that promise and that sure reality. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. opportunity is by looking at this construction of the tabernacle to think about the whole story of redemption. And I hope that was clearly portrayed and you understood. And if you don't, come, t- come talk to me more. But realize that all that's been done, everything that God did is because, again, going back to that Sinclair Ferguson quote, it's because he loves his people. It's in love he gave the tabernacle, gave these instructions. He gave the materials to build it and the know-how how to build it and, and, the, and the specifications because he's pointing to his glory and the need and the reality and the hope of restoration. If you are in Christ, you have been restored. You have access to God. And this meal is to be a reminder of that. We, we talked a few weeks ago about that meal that the 70 elders had at the, on the mountain of the Lord at Sinai to confirm that covenant he made. And that 
and that to ratify it, to confirm it. And again, this meal, as it points to the Passover, also points to that, that we have a seat at the table. We are part of His covenant people. His promises are to you, and He promises to save you through His Son. He's done that. He promises to see you all the way home. This meal is to be an encouragement to you that through the Spirit, it, it doesn't, doesn't have anything in itself that can change you, uh, Jesus is not actually present in it, but as we take this meal, and, and the Spirit helps us, as you will, to lift up our hearts and we commune with, with Christ in the heavenly places. And that place we just talked about that's reflected in the tabernacle, um, where Jesus sits at the right hand of God. Uh, he is not there as uh, kind of transcendent and distant and far from you, he is near to you. Though he is in, the, in heaven, his spirit is with us, and he is mindful of you. And this meal reminds us of that, that wonderful reality. So believers, come and partake. If you are a skeptic, if you have not um, made a profession of faith, joined a gospel-preaching-believing church, um, with, you know, we ask you to refrain. But please take this time to consider this beautiful story that we just heard that's real and true. And please come talk to me or one of, or one of our elders um, that are standing at these locations. And uh, we'd love to tell you more about it. Uh, again, if you're new here, this back section here behind this little wall is going to go to that table. Um, this section back here is going to go to that table. And everyone in the front is going to come here. So let's come and, and enjoy this meal together.
the night that our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he met with his disciples and um, after giving thanks, he broke bread and gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is for you. Uh, He said, take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it, all of you. Let's pray. Lord God, 